hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Warren Gooman. I am uh, primarily the pastor at St. Martin C3, but uh, occasionally they let me out. So here I am. You've got me tonight. Um, and do you know, here's something you may not know about me. Um, I'm actually quite embarrassed sometimes um, about uh, being a Christian. That's a bit of an admission, isn't it, from a pastor? You're kind of like, what? You know, like, uh, well, it's not so much about Jesus, okay? I'm really cool with Jesus. Jesus, he's never embarrassed me, okay? He's, 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 he's cool. But some of you guys, <laughs> I mean, no, not you guys. I don't mean you personally. I mean, just... Christians in general, like, have I got any friends out there, like, some Christians do some stuff and you just go, oh, man, you know, uh, and, 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 and then people around you, like, in your workplace or your friends go, like, do you, do you believe that? And you're like, no, that's just some lunatic friends that, you know, fringe people um, that I have that, uh, that kind of believe some weird stuff. And end times, okay, is one of those topics where you can get some pretty interesting ideas out there. So here's an example. This is uh, Stephen Colbert, late night show. Just have a look at this little clip and you'll see kind of what I'm talking about. Here we go. Me too. I gotta say, I am feeling lucky and grateful to be alive. I'm counting my blessings. I'm up to four. <laughs> and a thumb. But, you know who really had a rough day? Those folks over at eBible Fellowship. They're a church group in Pennsylvania that predicts the end of the world, and not, as their name would suggest, a book club that reads the Bible only on Kindle. These folks got famous a few years back for predicting that Judgment Day would fall on May 21st, 2011. You probably saw those Save the Date billboards. I RSVP'd immediately <laughs> and requested the vegetarian option at the apocalypse. Well, it turns out their math was a little off. I think they forgot to carry one of the horsemen. But <laughs> they took another look at the book of Revelation recently, crunched the numbers through their Jesus calculator, and discovered that, in fact, the planet was supposed to be permanently destroyed yesterday, October 7th. <laughs> and spoiler alert... Anyway, I, I have some sympathy for those guys. I'm sure they feel terrible today. Probably for a lot of reasons. Because you know that one thing you said you'd be willing to do if the world was going to come to an end? They probably did that last night. <laughs> it's going to be awkward at work today. Hey, Brenda. So I'm sending the folks at eBible Fellowship uh, this sympathy card. It says, my deepest condolences for everything still existing. <laughs> but... But if you did believe eBible Fellowship, you can't be too surprised. Though their pamphlet says that October 7th, 2015, will be the end of the world, they hedge their bets a bit by adding, there's a strong likelihood. <laughs> yeah. Strong likelihood. It might happen, but if it doesn't, not like it's the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Does, do you kind of relate to that a little bit? You're kind of like, when, when people kind of raise this subject of the end of the world, you kind of think, oh, I don't want to be kind of put in this box of this weird Christian that believes that it's a certain date or, you know, it, it, there's been a bit of a bad rap. And so the danger is, we just kind of leave the whole subject alone and go, well, let's just, uh, it's just too hard. Let's, let's just not go there. Um, I don't want to get embarrassed about getting it wrong. I don't want to get distracted. I'm sure there's a whole lot of things that we're meant to focus on rather than, you know, the events around Jesus coming back. However, actually, uh, there's a whole lot of things that Christians around the world don't agree on in regard to different areas of theology, as you're going to probably explore in a couple of weeks. 
But one of the things that is really consistent across all Christian denominations is this. Jesus will come back. That's really clear. Now, when he's coming back and all that sort of thing, there's a whole lot of speculation. But let's look at the facts tonight of what Jesus actually said and how he told us and his disciples how to prepare for his return, not predict when his return will be, but how to prepare for his return. So we're going to have a look. Let's jump right into uh, Matthew chapter 24. And this is, up, up to this point, um, Josh covered this well a couple of weeks ago. He looked at the first part of this chapter where it looks at all the different events that are leading up to this point. But now Jesus gets to the crux of what he's talking about. He says, this is what will happen when I come back. So what does Jesus say? Not, not, not what are all the e-Bible fellowship or, you know, all the conspiracy theorists or, you know, but what did Jesus actually say? Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 24, verse 26. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give off its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. There will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the earth, or one end of the heavens to the other. Okay, let's just unpack this part of what Jesus is saying. Um, let's kind of pull out some of the main ideas out of that because it's, it's yeah, maybe a little bit tricky. Here's kind of the number one fact that Jesus is explaining here. He will return. Like, it's a fact. It's, it's going to happen. It's not... Jesus' return isn't sort of some made-up idea, okay? This is, you know, the Christians didn't come up with this once Jesus left, and then they had to kind of explain, well, what happens now? Uh, let's make up this story about Jesus coming back again. No, no, no. This was Jesus making it very clear. This is God's intent right from the beginning that Jesus would come to earth twice. He would come once as a suffering servant to save the world, and then he would return to rule and reign in the world. That was always his intention. And he's, Jesus is laying this out really, really clear. It's, you can count on this. You can prepare for this because it is going to happen. About um, 10 years ago, I think it was about it was 9 or 10 years ago, uh, a friend of mine, their father, was commissioned by the um, Canterbury District Health Board, that's all the hospitals and kind of the people that oversee all the health in, in this region. Um, and he was commissioned to come up with a plan for a worldwide pandemic. And, and I, he, he's a retired guy, he had retired from the army and um, he has got a good sort of business background and um, thinking about logistics and all that sort of thing. So they commissioned him to basically come in and, and work out a whole plan of if, if a worldwide pandemic was to happen, what were they going to put in place? Um, and, uh, you know, what are all the logistics? What are all the things that the district health board would have to think? Who, who, what resources would they need? What people would do what and all that sort of thing? When he told me about that, I went, man, that's really, that's ridiculous. You know, like there hasn't been a worldwide pandemic since like, oh, what, you know, World War I and the Spanish flu or whatever. Like, you know, really? And he said, no, 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 this, this literally could happen, Warren, in your lifetime. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, maybe, you know. Like, hello, <laughs> you know, like, we're, we're right there. And, and so he was dead right. We, we have to prepare for 
something that is going to happen in the future. And, and fortunately, um, as you see, New Zealand was reasonably well prepared um, for the COVID-19 outbreak. And what Jesus is saying here is, hey, actually adjust your life to this. Because this is going to happen. I'm coming back, okay? I will return. So that's the first thing we can lock in and go, okay, that's fact number one. Okay, here's fact number two. It will be very obvious when Jesus returns, okay? So just in case you're sitting out there tonight and you're going, oh, hang on, man, did I miss it? You know, like, did it, did it actually happen? Were these guys at eBible Fellowship right? Was it, you know, like, maybe I'm not part of the elect or something like that? No, 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 don't panic. Jesus is saying, you'll know. Trust me, you'll know. And so he uses a couple of different analogies of that. He's saying, you know, when there's a, a thunder, thunderstorm with really big lightning, everyone around sees it. It's, it's clear. They know. It's, it's happening. It's obvious. It's not in secret. It's really obvious that it's happening. It's like, um, you know, when there's a, there's a carcass and there's the, where are the vultures, you know, or where is the carcass? Well, you know where it is because that's where all the vultures are, you know. Like it's, the, the point of that is just that it's obvious. It's really, really obvious. And so when Jesus returns, it will be a dramatic return. It will be a glorious return. It's not like his first coming. When he came the first time, it was kind of covert. Like God was going, okay, how do we, how do we slip into the world here and, and, and come kind of undercover? Now, the angels on the day of Jesus' birth couldn't kind of hold themselves back, so they let some shepherds know and things like that. There was a bit of glory component to Jesus' first coming. But overall, the world didn't sort of go, oh, wow, you know, God has come to earth. Like, it, it wasn't... It wasn't obvious. Well, his second coming is going to be completely different to his first coming. Everything that Jesus made clear here and um, what we read in Revelation and other parts of Scripture about the end times is stating that Jesus' return is a glorious return. It's a dramatic return because Jesus is coming back not as the the servant or the lamb that's dying for our sin, he's coming back to rule and reign the world. So he, he has to go, okay, I'm here. It, it's big, it's dramatic, it's a, it's a significant event in our history. So you will know, you will not miss it. No one on the planet will miss it. It will be really, really obvious. Now, that means the inference of that... Um, and this is where we get a little bit technical, is that as far as a plain reading of Scripture goes and Christian history through many, many centuries, the implication of this is that there is no secret rapture. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, but, but I've heard, you know, I've read the Left Behind series or I've watched the movies and, you know, there is... You know, isn't there this understanding out there that, um, you know, we get sort of whipped away or something like that and we, we don't get to be a part of this or, or what happens there? You know, where, you know, there's someone flying a plane and suddenly the pilot's gone and that sort of thing. Like, isn't that kind of part of the deal? And, you know, didn't a few verses earlier, didn't Jesus say, you know, one will be taken, one will be left? Isn't that all got to do with that? And when you... When you look at it at face value, you kind of think, well, maybe there is two different events here. But that whole understanding of a, you know, a secret kind of um, uh, exiting of the church before all the bad stuff happens is a relatively recent idea in church history. It only, someone only came up with it a couple of hundred years ago. Now, you might think a couple of hundred years is a long time. But in the, 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 you know, in the context of 2,000 years, it's, it's kind of only in the last 10%. And, it, and they came up with this idea because as they read the scriptures and went, oh, hang on, I, I don't want to go through all this tough stuff. Like if there's bad things that are going to happen in the end of the world, surely Christians don't have to go through this. Maybe we just get whipped away. So they impose this theology on what the scriptures say, but 
when you, when you naturally read scripture, you won't see it there. However, however, it is a very, very popular uh, theology. It's called a dispensational theology. It's a very popular theology in America. And it's very popular amongst Pentecostals in particular. So when you watch some of the Christian American TV and some of the preachers, they're really big on this. Actually, it has become so um, uh, integrated into evangelical and, and Pentecostal thought in America that it actually has shaped some of their policy. It actually uh, shaped some of their policy, especially around the Middle East and Israel and, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal. But if you actually go back a bit further and look at um, the theology that came out of Britain and out of Europe and things like that, it just doesn't exist. It's, it's just not there, that, that type of thinking. So just be aware of that, that it's out there, um, it's, it's known about, but actually the, the whole references in the Bible that says, hey, one will be taken, one will be left, it's all part of this one event, Okay, so when Jesus comes back, he comes in glory. Now, I don't know how that's going to work, okay? I, you know, don't ask me. That's it's up to Jesus how he does that. But it's going to be glorious. It's going to be obvious. The whole world is going to know that he is returning. And then as he returns, he calls those who are his, both the dead and the living, it would seem to be. He calls them to himself first, and it even goes to the point where it says we get, we get caught up with him in the air. Again, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if that's kind of metaphorical or true or whatever, but the, the, the facts that we can draw out of that is there's a separation of those who are Christ and those who aren't. That's really clear. So Jesus is coming back. It's a glorious return. There's no secret. There's no kind of mysterious thing that happens to it. It's very obvious to everyone when he returns. But the third thing that we can see here is that Jesus will return when we least expect it. That's earlier on in the passage Jesus talks about, you know, that you know, we'll be just going about our daily work. Yes, there are good things that happen. There's bad things that will happen, but... All of a sudden, it will just happen. It's kind of like an earthquake. You, kind of, you, you might get some sort of sense that you know, there might be some movement before an earthquake, but suddenly it's just there. And so Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 46, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So it's interesting that we like to, you know, get out, as uh, um, Steve Colbert was saying, you know, that we uh, get out our Jesus calculator and all that stuff. We, we love to try and figure it all out because we love that sense of security and all that sort of thing. And, and the disciples ask this very question too, and Jesus goes, I'm not going to answer that question. Actually, I don't even know. Only my Father knows. So if only God knows, why do we spend so much time and effort trying to figure it out? Literally, Jesus was saying, no, don't focus on that. Focus on being prepared. Because you don't know when I'm going to come back. Now, um, I'm sure that you're going to have a few questions around, oh, hey, hang on a minute, Warren, but, but what, what about all the stuff that happens? before Jesus comes back. Like I've heard, you know, does, you know, these stars falling from the sky, does it mean that, you know, a meteor is going to hit Earth? Um, does it mean there's going to be a nuclear war? Uh, you know, I've heard that there's famines and earthquakes and all that sort of thing. Yes, there are some really bad things that happen before Jesus comes back. But if you look in the context of the history of the world, bad things actually happen quite a lot, Okay. You know, you, you've lived through some bad stuff that's happened. At the moment, there are still some really bad things happening in the world. But it also says that the gospel will be preached to the whole world, that the kingdom of God will grow, that people will be healed, that lives will be transformed, that God is bringing his kingdom to the world. So 
I kind of, when I'm talking about this with people one-on-one, I say it's kind of like the darkness is going to get darker and the light's going to get lighter. There's going to be this contrast between what God is doing and the fallen world that we live in. Do we give up on the world? No, we keep working towards the good of the world and the God's kingdom coming. But we also have to accept and embrace that pandemics will happen. Wars will happen. Catastrophes will happen. It's just the nature of the world that we live in. When they'll happen, we don't know. But we can be prepared for when they do. Now, I'm kind of outlining a lot of the basics here, but I'm just, I'll let you know now that at the end of this, we're going to do something a bit different tonight. We're going to actually open it up for questions and answers, okay? And I have no idea what questions you're going to throw at me, so this could be really, really interesting. But if you've got some specific questions around what the Bible says about Jesus' return and the events around his return, or even what I've talked about so far, start thinking about how you would word it in a succinct question, and we're going to pass the mic around um, in 10 minutes or so, and you can ask it. So if, you, if you're kind of thinking about a question, um, ponder on it, hold on to it, and uh, we'll get to it soon. So what Jesus is saying here is don't worry about your timelines. Don't worry about your plans. Don't try and figure this all out. Put your trust in God and in his timing. And so let's look at the first three facts. Return of Jesus is going to happen. It's going to be really obvious. There's no secret to it. It's really obvious when it does, and we don't know when it is. So don't predict. Okay. Right. Here's number four, last one. When Jesus returns, the world will change. It will change dramatically. And you've already heard from Josh and John D over the last couple of weeks what that will look like. It will usher in a new age where Christ reigns. Let's have a look again at what Jesus said. In Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, this glorious return, obvious glorious return, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. I don't know if that's literal or just saying that he will reign, I'm not sure, but he sits on a glorious throne. All the nations, the whole world, will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another. As a a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you, since the creation of the world. Now that is a pretty big event. I don't know how that will all go down, but it is really clear that at the return of Jesus, it ushers in a new age where Christ reigns. Literally, he reigns over the whole world. He is the king. There is no more nations like we know nations now. There is a new order of things ruled by Christ where he separates out those who are his and those who aren't. And that's a pivotal point in human history. It's, a, it's the point where human history is that, that, that it's going to change. It's, it's going to be completely different to what we have ever had before. And imagine that for a moment. Imagine the world looking like the way God always intended his world to be. That's pretty cool. Imagine evil being removed from our world. That's pretty cool. So there are all the facts that Jesus laid out in that scripture in Matthew. He says he will return. It'll be a big, global, glorious event where the The good and the bad are separated, where those who are his and those who aren't are separated, and it ushers in a new age of his reign. It's one event, happens on a day, 
by the way, in the, in the scriptures, it's often that day called Judgment Day, which, you know, uh, it's not a Terminator movie, um, you know, uh, thing. They didn't come up with it. It came from the Bible. It's, it's D-Day, if you like. It's often in capital letters in the Bible. You, that, the D of that day is in capitals. It's going, the day. Because all of heaven and earth is working towards that day where everything is about to change. Now, if you know that on a day, at a, a point in history, everything is going to change, then it makes sense to prepare yourself for that day. Doesn't it? It makes sense. Now, of course you'd like to know when that day is, but that's not our privilege. But we do know how to prepare. So Jesus tells three parables. Um, we, we won't read them because they're quite long, but they're in um, Matthew 24 and 25. And he tells three parables, one of a wedding, one of a master who, who has servants, and another of sheep and goats. And if you look at those three parables, you'll see that there is a theme common to all of them. They're all about preparation. Because that's the point that Jesus is making. He's taking quite a long time to really get his disciples to know this and us to know this, is be prepared. And so you, when we look at those um, parables, you've got to go, okay, well, what is he getting at here? What does preparation look like? Because that's a really important question, isn't it? That's kind of where this all becomes practical. If I'm, if I'm to be prepared for the return of Christ, how am I to be prepared for that? Well, here's some suggestions of how not to prepare, okay? Don't put a placard on you, a sandwich board type thing, and start walking around the streets with a bell going, Jesus is coming back, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's probably not going to be that effective, it's not really what God is calling you to do. Don't create all these charts and do seminars about how you're predicting the end of the world or putting it out on social media or, or whatever. That, that, that's going to happen. That's probably not going to be that helpful. And by the way, it's probably going to embarrass you. It's probably going to be embarrassing to me. Um, you might get on late night TV, but it's actually not going to do any good um, for, the, for the growth of the kingdom of God in the world. Well, unlikely. So how do we prepare? We, we prepare, if you look at each one of those parables, here's the thing. There is a master or there is a judge in each of those parables. There's the bridegroom who's, who's coming to, to prepare for his wedding. There's the master in the next parable of the talents. There's a judge, there's God, who separates the sheep and the goats. And what are all of these masters or key people in these stories looking for for those who are serving him? What they're looking for is that you're productive, that you're busy, that you're doing the work of his kingdom. That's what he's looking for. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I've got kids and, you know, if you, if you want something, you want them to do something, you, you want to catch them doing it. I don't ask a whole lot of our kids, but now and again we might say, you know, take the rubbish out or empty the dishwasher or something like that. And in 10 minutes when I go away and come back, I don't want to see them sitting in front of their computer or, or watching TV and the dishwasher's still full, you know. I want to come back and catch them emptying the dishwasher, right? Because that's what I asked them to do. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, you're a follower of mine. And what I told you to do is go make disciples. That's our mission. That's, that's, what, that's our vision here, is to go and make disciples to extend the kingdom of God. So if you're doing that, if you're living a life where you're living for Christ and you're doing your best in the context that God has given you to extend the kingdom of God around you, then you're prepared. But if you're not, if you're, if you're sitting there going, oh, well, I'm a bit worried about when Jesus is coming back and things like that, so I'm, I'm just going to sit here and read my Bible and pray, well, it's kind of good. But they didn't ask you to do that. He asked you to go and 
extend his kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good to read your Bible and pray. But don't just do that. Let God catch you out working in his kingdom. Having conversations about him. You know, sharing his life with those around you. Doing good. Doing what Jesus would do if he were here. That's what he wants to, that's being prepared. Rather than predicting, be prepared. That's what he's called you to do. Let's pray and then we're going to open it up for some questions. God, as, we, um, as we've looked at these scriptures, we see that you are very clear on the, on the facts around your return. Lord, we can know, we are, we are assured of this promise that you will return as part of your glorious plan for this planet, that you would renew it one day, that you would restore it to its original purpose, that it would be a good creation where you will reign. And Lord, we pray that you would bring that day, as we know you will, that your kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, may you prepare us every day. Lord, prepare us every day for your return. Lord, when we see big events like COVID-19 happening around the world or climate change or um, political unrest or whatever it is, Lord, may our hearts not be discouraged. Because we know that you are in control and this is all part of your plan to bring the world to this day. This day when you will return. Where history will pivot. And you will separate evil from our world. You will separate evil from good. And you will reign with those who are yours forever. Lord, we thank you for these truths and I pray that they would encourage us. And Lord, cut through some of the other junk and things that we've, and distractions that we've had around end times thinking or theology and help us stick to that which you made clear to us. And may you catch us when you return being productive for you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I've thrown a whole lot of stuff out, out there. Um, I think Becky or someone's got a microphone. We're gonna, this is, we usually pray and do other things and sing a song, but we're going to do it a bit different tonight. We're just opening it up. Other thoughts, questions, comments? Do you think I'm a complete heretic? Or, um, you know, so just let's open the floor. Oh, Jonty's got a question. Oh, that's a bit scary. <laughs> I'll give everybody a chance to think. Do you have a, a sequence of events oh, for okay. how things are going to end? So we've got um, what we've talked about tonight. Is Jesus coming back? Final judgment. Is it Jesus comes back? Final judgment. We then go heaven, hell. Mm. Or is there a millennium? Right. Are there things that happen, a seven-year tribulation uh, okay, that's hang, going hang on. on. You've got about five questions in yeah. there. So. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back but, to the first one. Do you have a yeah. sequence of events? Okay, sequence of events. Right. Um, first of all, uh, it would seem to be that um, there is uh, events that are leading up to the return of Christ. But that's really hard to judge. Is like a global pandemic one of those events or not? Because... Um, we've seen that those things happen all the way through history. So um, one of the things that we do know from this scripture passage is that, as Josh said a couple of weeks ago, is the gospel will spread to the whole world before Jesus returns. He wants everyone to have the opportunity to put their faith in him. And we should be productive in doing that work. So that's one of the things that will happen before the return of Jesus. But on the day, so to speak, let's, let's kind of get to that day. A day that, again, let me remind you, we don't know when it's going to happen. But there is going to be this glorious event where the whole world at once will know, wow, there's Jesus. 
At that moment, I think the next thing that happens is that the dead in Christ, as well as those of us who would still be alive at that point, go to be with Jesus. So it doesn't matter whether you um, die before Jesus comes back or you're still alive when Jesus comes back. Again, you don't miss out, okay? Don't panic. You go to be with Jesus. Um, So probably the theologians that I kind of resonate with the most would um, hold to a theology where they where we actually somehow go to be with Christ in the air um, and maybe there is a I don't know there's this place where everyone is gathered before the throne certainly Revelation 20 um, if you if you read through Revelation 20 would indicate that there is that judgment seat of Christ where everyone's separated and then there's a separation of those who know Christ and those who don't. And those who know Christ go on to reign with him in, in a new heavens and new earth. Um, now that goes to the, the next question that uh, John T. had, is do we get whisked away to heaven? Well, no, not necessarily. Um, God is renewing this world, this physical world. I don't think he's going to actually do away with the world because it says that um, you know, in Revelation 21 that the new Jerusalem, the this, this city of God comes down out of heaven to earth um, so, so maybe God is going to make this world that we live in perfect the way that he always wanted it to be, it's kind of something that God would do and then we rule with him in this world now you go, well who do we rule over well I would assume that um, you know, there are, there are a, a many people that choose to follow Christ, and there, is a, there could be various responsibilities within that kingdom that God then establishes. Um, does that somewhat answer the question? Okay. Uh, but I don't think, let me say what I don't think is going to happen, because that's probably, uh, you've probably heard, we have heard these things of these three and a half years of great distress in the world, or these seven years and, you know, there's this fixed period of time where bad stuff happens, and then Jesus comes back, and then there's another thousand years. The millennium that's referred to in, um, in Revelation 20, uh, that could be another period of time where Christ reigns and people still get to choose whether they follow Christ or not. I, I can embrace that as part of my thinking around end times, but I think it's a little bit... It's a little bit odd um, because it would seem that uh, every other scripture indicates that there is a day where Jesus is making a judgment call and he's, he's making that separation. And then to kind of give people another chance is just a bit odd if you've already separated people. But anyway, that's just... I, as you can see, there's some questions that I still have around all this. Other thoughts, questions out there? Yeah. What a good initiative you have done. Thank you. Okay. Um, I am not sure about Judgment Day, so I know there are unbelievers, but they are very good people. Yep. What about, so tell me, my friends who are not Christian. Yep. And I know that I have to grab them and, but I, you know, and tell them about the living Jesus. Yep. Okay, but... Yeah, absolutely you need to share Christ with them, but let me, let me reinforce this. We're not, we're, it's not our responsibility to make anyone a Christian. You know, we are all responsible for our lives and our choices. And so um, your friends who don't know Christ, the most important thing is to pray for them, to share what you can with them. The choice of what they do with that information is completely up to them. But um, there's a scripture in Hebrews uh, 9, 47, 49, somewhere around about there, uh, it says this, that it is appointed unto man once to die and then face judgment. So God's made it really clear that we all do face judgment. It's a, it's an, 
may be a very inconvenient truth that um, we, we may not like, it may not sit well with us, but we are all accountable for our lives. Yeah. Just be slow for me, for yeah. me to take it in. Yeah. I didn't get it. Please do it again. Okay. So let me lay it out this way. At Jesus' return, there will be a judgment on every person on the planet who has ever lived and is currently still alive at that point. And, their, and their ju the judgment on their lives is, are they following Jesus or are they not? Now, that's not, we are not to judge that. We're not to judge who's a Christian, who's not. That's up to Jesus to judge that. Okay, it, that, we don't make the call on that. It's the judge who makes the, the judgment. All that we can do is do our best to follow Jesus and to share Jesus with those around us. Does that make it clear? Yeah, it's as clear as I think I can make it. Okay. Uh, Paul talks, I think, in Romans 11 around the dispensation or times yep. of the Gentiles coming yep. to an end. Yep. And that following that, sort of as, as Christians come to faith, they, the Jewish people will see the relationship Christians can have with Christ and it will provoke yep. them some sort of jealousy and then all of Israel will be saved. Yeah, And I think Jonti sort of alluded to it as one of the sequence. Mm. Um, from your understanding of Scripture and from the theologians you've mentioned, are we expecting all of Israel to be saved before Jesus returns? Who is Israel in that context? Yeah. And do we, how do we understand this era of the Gentiles or dispensation, yeah. depending on your language? Good, good question. Um, uh, rather than addressing the timeline, let me address the, the, my thinking around this. Um, there is, it is very, very clear in Scripture that the Jews have a special place in God's heart. They are his chosen people. Now, um, on the... On the, a large part, they've rejected Jesus as, as their Messiah. And, and so uh, the Gentiles, the, as you say, the, the age of the Gentiles, it, it's, it's, it, Gentiles could easily say, oh, well, God's done away with the Jews and they're no more. And Paul is saying, you're quite right, and saying, no, there will be a time at the end where Jesus is going to make himself clearly known to the the Jewish people again, and they are going to return to him. Um, so I, I have no issue with that. I go, fantastic, like that's awesome. How it's going to happen, where in the, in the time frame it's going to happen, I don't know. Um, it would seem to me that if, if the return of Christ, D-Day, if, if, for want of a better way to put it, if that's um, the transitional point in history where everything has changed after that, I would see that there would be some events that happen before the return of Christ where we see a God showing some favour to the Jews or a, a, a massive revival maybe amongst the Jews. I, I don't know. How we interpret that verse, I think it's 11.27, thereabouts, 26.27, it says, all Israel will be saved. I think we've got to be a little bit careful that we don't just think of that in terms of salvation as we know it. But it's certainly we can be really clear that they receive a special favour or a special place in God's heart. And again, I would say, I don't know how God's going to work that out, but I'll leave it up to him. Uh, what concerns me is I don't think we can go... Um, the next step in that logic where some people have gone and go, hang on, us supporting the nation of Israel is a way of um, bringing about the kingdom of God. So do, do you see where I'm going with that? Like literally, politically and financially and all that sort of thing, supporting the nation of Israel itself as a people, um, that's you know, in doing so, we are supporting what Christ wants to do among them. I go, mm, no, that's, that's a bit of a stretch to the theology because how we are to bring the kingdom of God um, to, to various nations around the world 
is pretty clearly laid out in scripture it's bringing Christ to them so um, I'm not quite sure how it all works out but I I'm pretty sure on how not to do it I think uh, does that somewhat answer your question doesn't fully answer it but maybe a little bit Okay, cool. Maybe a couple more and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Warren. Hey. Um, I'll just read you Revelation 8 verse 10 and then I'll ask my question. Okay. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of all the rivers and on the springs of the water. Mm. The name of the star was Wormwood. Yeah. Are you saying that there's a chance that might have already happened? Well, I... I'll kind of come around about that, 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 how to answer that question, is we often think of the events of Revelation as happening in a very tight time frame just before Jesus comes back. Um, whereas there is a lot of evidence when we look at the world, um, if you follow world events over the last 50, 100 years, where we have messed up the world a lot. And... Um, we certainly have, even in my lifetime, we have destroyed a lot of fresh water around the world more than any generation before us. So could have that happened already? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say it's, it's definitely possible. Is that your thinking as well? well I don't know. You, you don't know. You're just, just putting it out there. Yeah, okay. Right. Fair enough. Cool. Anyone else? The good thing, just just if just as you're thinking, the the main thing, as Josh encouraged us a couple of weeks ago, I think Jonty did last week as well, be engaged in this in in your thinking around this, because even though it may you may seem it may seem something that's far off and distant, you don't know this. It, it could be tomorrow. So I, I think it's really healthy to watch worldwide events. It's healthy to be praying and thinking, God, why is this happening and where are you and all of this? That, that's a really healthy way to think. Um, but it's, it's when you start lining up specific scriptures to go, okay, this means this and this means this, that's where some Christians have got into real trouble over the years. Yeah. Okay, anyone else? Um, I'll ask yep. you two and you can just decide yep. which one you want to answer. Okay. Um, just... Um, to do with the question about Israel, when yep. it talks about the 144,000 yep. yep. and then it breaks them down into the 12 tribes, yep. uh, do you think there's a link with that and what was being discussed in Romans, or if that question's just a bit boring and niche, yep. um, what is your perspective uh, after Judgment Day when judgment has occurred and for those who don't know okay. Christ and therefore aren't justified by Christ's righteousness? I'm happy to answer both questions. Um, I think the 144,000 is just a reference to the total people that God is gathering in his, his, his elect. Um, I don't think it's uh, in reference to Israel specifically. Um, it, it wouldn't make sense to relate to just Israel specifically because there's, surely there's more than 144,000 Jews, even more than 144,000 people, Jews who uh, follow Christ. Um, so I think it's, it's uh, in the Bible, there's often numbers that relate to specific things, like a 40-year as a generation and, and things like that. 12 is um, usually referred to as a complete governance um, grouping, uh, a, a, a total of a grouping. And so times in 12 by 12 to get to 144, 1,000 means a lot of people. So it's, it's kind of a... Uh, symbolic way of saying everybody, um, everybody who God calls. The second question is, um, do I believe in a, a literal um, hell, a literal place where people are removed from Christ's presence and are left to their own devices and the life of their choosing um, without Christ? Yes, I do. And um, that that's made very clear in Scripture and um, if, if God was prepared to judge the angels who, um, who fell and who knew better and is holding them in that judgment, surely he can also judge us who 
uh, also hold the responsibility of choosing what we do with our lives and our destiny. That may be a little bit controversial to some of you, but yeah, that's, that's, that to me is a plain reading of Scripture. And in particular, the plain reading of the latter part of Revelation chapter 20. It's a sobering text to read, but it's in your Scripture. Okay, yeah, last one, David. Uh, Warren, you said that we'll be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. Yeah. Um, which is fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but you, and that sometimes the term rapture is applied yes. to that catching yes. up. Being caught up, yep, with him. Um, yep. And yet at the same time you said you didn't believe in a secret rapture. Correct. So are you okay to say that you'll, are you are happy with the word rapture being applied to being caught up in the air yes. to meet the Lord? Yes. Yeah, that, right. that does summarise my position. I'm happy if we use the rapture if it's in the context of that day where Jesus returns and as part of that glorious return, we are called up to be with him. We are called out from the world, the, no, not the world, that's probably not the right the world word, the life that we are in, um, we are called up out of that life um, to be with him. Um, so yeah, that's a rapture being called up to be with him. Yeah. But it's not secret. It's not like no. yeah, uh, you know, David Walker is plucked out and Warren Gooman's left. You know, it's it's, it's 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 not like that. It's not like all of a sudden we wake up and it's kind of like um, what's it like Infinity War where you know half the people are gone. We're like, oh, what did I miss? You know, like, it's that's I don't I don't see that in scripture. Yeah. So we obviously need to be ready for that event to happen. Absolutely. We never yes, to be right. ready for the, this catching up, to be ready for the Lord to come back. Yeah, well, and there is a little bit of, there are different views about the timing of that, but I think the big thing you're saying is we need to be ready. Yeah, but that. I don't think the first thing is up, sort of, we're, we're suddenly rising up in the air and going, well, what's happening to me? No, I don't think that's the first thing. The first thing is that Jesus returns and we know that he's returned. Do you, that's that's what he was referring to. As you see lightning in the sky, we, you go, ah, there he is. I think that's the first thing that happens. Okay, let's wrap it up there. Um, we have beautiful hot chocolate um, all prepared for you at the back. So can I quickly pray for you, and um, then we'll have some time of just hanging out and drinking hot chocolate together. Lord, we thank you that you are going to return. That is a sure hope that we can have in our hearts. And I pray that this week we would adjust our lives and our priorities and our thinking in light of that, Lord God. Lord, there would be some urgency to us sharing our faith with those around us because we don't know when you will return. But Lord, we are grateful that you will return and you'll bring your kingdom in great glory and great power and that we can be a part of it. Lord, we thank you for that incredible privilege. So, Lord, we pray that as we hang out together now and go into our week, that, we, that these truths would um, not cause us to fear, but cause us to rejoice and celebrate our life that we have with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.